Hey everyone, I'm back with Mind Rolling, Raghu, and uh, I have a wonderful new guest, Lisa Broderick. And Lisa had put together a book that's out there now, All the Time in the World, uh, Learn to Control Your Experience of Time to Live a Life Without Limitation. And there's some fascinating concepts in here around time, and uh, beyond time, actually. Uh, time and beyond time is really what's going on here. So, uh, welcome to the show. Raghu, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, and we, just before we got on, we're kind of checking in with each other about where we come from, and you were telling me about all the different places you come from. But aside from the physical reality, uh, this is my, uh, by the way, my first... Uh, uh, not question, but topic in terms of getting to know someone. It's how did you find your way as you know, all the way back to a child teenager in terms of beginning to understand that uh, the reality that we assumed was reality and the story we told ourselves wasn't necessarily true and there was an alternative reality that one could say is more to the truth rather than living in just completely projection area of life. That is that is for certain. Well, it does go back to the time when I was a child. Mm. And we were talking a little bit about Joytish before we uh, we began. And uh, I was Indian a Indian astrology, everybody. Indian astrology. Joytish. I was a child death averted. Which is uh, really? which is a which is a, apparently it's something. It's you know not that common, but I had a death experience at the age of four, full out of body, watching my body. No way that it really could have turned out the way that it did that I lived. I was uh, in Arizona where my parents and I lived at the time, mm. at the age of four, and jumping on a bed in a resort community in the mountains, very remote in the 1960s. The bed rolled away, and I flew through the through the air head first into a plate class window and was impaled. Yeah, I know as a parent, people, my, my family did not talk about it for decades. And so there on the window, as I recall, I do not recall the doctor who said basically who had pronounced me dead there, but as my mother told me later, but it was miles and miles to the hospital. It was not a hospital, a country facility, all of which I remember, including the room, classic death experience. I don't call them near death. It's more than that. And so, and very often after that, um, how's that? You have to explain that out in a bit too. Well, Not you know, so death. death then it has to do with time. Where do we go when we die? And the book covers that as well. So I was in an, in a different dimension, we'll say, a different reality for a time, watching my body as a four year old, and came back as a little girl full of life. But I was different. Now I will say, after years of research, decades of research, really, memories are a funny thing. They grow and change and are informed by current <laughs> current mm -hmm. events, right? And we think yeah. back. With that said, my memory of it has remained the same all these decades. This was 50 years ago. So the difference is I saw everything as alive, as you were saying. You know, the difference between projection. There's a difference between projection and being there, present in the mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. So I learned that. But I also learned that I had somehow acquired a special relationship with time. And as a little girl, I could slow down time. I could slow down the field while playing with other kids, which was a great advantage. I would have dreams or nightmares about slowed down time. Sometimes it can be a nightmare to, to, to claw the ground in front of you. 
because you're not going fast enough as though you're in sort of molasses as air. And then funny stories in the book, bowling a nearly perfect game, although I was a terrible bowler at the age of eight <laughs> because I was somehow found myself in a zone where everything was slowed yeah, right. down and I could bowl perfectly, even though I was awful. This is a famous sports uh, idiom. <laughs> exactly, right? bowling a perfect game. All of them, no, no, no. When they, uh, let's say, basketball, they were playing in college and so on, and then they got selected and came into the National Basketball Association. And after a year or two, many of them will say and that, and it translates to any of these other sports, football, whatever, baseball, the game started to slow down is mm. the most common aphorism that you yes. hear from, from these guys after they have finally got, in, got into the flow of what that game is. And That's it right. slowed down and they can see everything and why the, the greatest players, it slows down. LeBron James, sure. Uh, beyond Bill Russell, who famously well, talked about it, it even back yeah. in the seventies. Yes, right? yeah. And true. now it's taught to athletes. Well, my theory is this isn't just a fluke or an illusion. It's a brainwave state that we can achieve, and it's related to meditation. Mm. It is because back I know meditation. Back my, to meditation. The mind rolling people were like, "Okay, enough already." But talking <laughs> about meditation, I can't take it anymore because I just did a. I've been talking about this book of uh, this Tibetan Rinpoche, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, a very famous Tibetan who translated the teachings, um, let's just say, incredibly in a way that Westerners could get it. Oh, wow. I mean, he is phenomenal. was. I mean, is, was, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he, he wrote this book called Cynicism and Magic, so I've been doing stuff around this, and his the rudder for all of it for him is being able to sit with oneself for extended periods of time and doing the get-to-know-me-better routine and without any expectation of results of any, car, any kind, but to... and. Of course, Ram, this is the Ramdas Be Here Now network, right? That we are mm -hmm. on right now. Mind rolling is on, and uh, to become completely present. So, right. uh, so yeah, I have been touting this, and then looking at myself, and you know, <laughs> the, it, meditation is um, certainly in the beginning, it's work, and so that's why people shy. I work hard enough. Why do mm -hmm. I have to work more? Anyhow, go ahead. I'm, I'm interrupted you. The well, reality little, of meditation. Not yes. in, a little later, if we have time for a quick exercise, I've, yeah, turned that, I've turned that into a brainwave state, which could be achieved to get to the time of no time pretty quickly mm. for, uh, for all, of the, uh, all of the listeners out there who are in a hurry. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not in a hurry. Uh, so then, okay, this happened to you, and obviously a major transform transformational moment. Yes. And then, then as you started my, to be able to grasp things intellectually in a way that, uh, you know, as you become more of a mature adult, how did I, it through teenage years? Yeah, tell me about that. I was, I was handed um, uh, the Tao of Physics and the Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. A couple of books, right, that you definitely want to consume when you're thinking about these types of things. But I had a framework. It wasn't when? just theoretical in my teens. Uh-huh. How and did so, these books... The, get to get, me? Yeah. 
Well, so the Tao of Physics was just published. So this was the 70s, right? And um, consumed that. And the reason I consumed, it was given to me by an interested friend who was a, who was a quite learned man who, who knew some of these stories and experiences that I was having because I'd oh. shared them. Oh. And the difference is I had a framework, Raghu, and on which to uh, on which to hang these theories. To me, it wasn't theoretical. It was practical. It was actually happening. Consciousness, what is consciousness? What is time? Slowing down time, all of that. And then the breakthrough came, sorry, listeners, when I became a meditator. And I met a friend of mine who was was a TM meditator. He was a teacher. He was in England. And actually, I said to him these words. We were walking around Central Park. And I said, you know, Stephen, I I have forgotten how to pray. And he said, well, he said, have you ever meditated? I said, no. This I was in my 20s. And he said, get yourself to, you know, the Transcendental Meditation Program, mm-hmm. which I did do, and was an immediate, uh, was an immediate um, drink of water. In fact, mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. diving into a pool of, co- of cool water that was so mm-hmm. refreshing and startling at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was made for it. And that's when I realized that time is not what we think. Mm-hmm. It's related to brainwave states. Of course, in meditation, you could sit for hours and think a moment has passed. In TM, you could say to yourself, I want to be out of here in 20 minutes, and you will be, teaching yourself to wake up according to, quote, time. Hmm. So that really opened things up. But so along you're doing, with the, yeah. You're doing this as a teenager. You're talking about being a teenager, reading well, these my, books and interacting. and <laughs> I was in my 20s this? when I learned okay, to meditate. Okay, or, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was in my 20s by then. But still, was, you were reading these books, you said, when you were a teenager. Yes. Yeah, I was curious. I was curious. Okay. And I realized, wasn't doing that. Lisa. <laughs> different path right same same uh, i was miserable path and i wish i could have gotten the Tao of physics at that moment uh, yeah. well i was lucky in that way hmm. and continued on this path and realizing where and then of course Tao of physics we started quantum mechanics started to really come to the fore in the 80s and uh, you know we all stand on the shoulders of pioneers who were thinking about how science interacts with ancient spirituality back then. Mm, so the yeah. Shakti Gawains and the Jack Canfields and the Cornfields and all of these people talking about all these things really got me going because again mm. it wasn't theoretical. I had a, an experience. I could slow down time. I could drop a wine glass and catch it by the stem. Still. And as I learned to do it more, I got so better that's, at it. Yeah, well, that's uh, without meditation practice and being able to become into a one-pointed focus. Right, you could not do that. This is not possible. Yeah. So, but it developed with me organically. Again, the childhood death averted, as I had been told by the Joytish, and decided eventually. You know, in a Western tradition, Eastern traditions, people might have this wisdom which they stumble upon and they pick them you know and they and they go into a cave and they become ascended or even rainbow painting right one of my favorite books but with me i was rainbow painting wait a minute rainbow rainbow painting so buddhism right buddhism dream work oh oh. with a a rinpoche wrote a book called rainbow painting where you you dissolve into uh, light at the end of your life rather than go anywhere very fascinated with that. In any event, I had all of these concepts around me, but I decided to come back to the Western world and see if I could teach them. And I met a Kabbalist in New York City who was my spiritual teacher, Dr. Jerry Epstein, who was a medical doctor and a Kabbalist from an ancient Kabbalah tradition. And he's he has gone to the other side now. But in my almost 20 years of working with him, he had a lot of knowledge about these things. 
And I began to integrate the practices of meditation and Kabbalah and all of the ancient, these ancient spiritual traditions with science to try to explain slow down time. And that mm. is the long story of where the book came from. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. But I'm going to, uh, no but at all, I want to just uh, just sort of open up a couple of different things about it that, again, for me, it's about how do we relate this to our day-to-day lives. That's mm. the purpose of mind rolling in a brief few words. Um so here's something you explained, that because reality is solely a result of who we are, our fears combined with the stories told over and over in our mind become our creation. They become our life. And you call this the observer effect from modern science. So mm. the observer effect, it to me, would be part of the ubiquitous term mindfulness and awareness and how that can be used in day-to-day life. But let me let you talk about the observer effect. Well, let's dial back a little bit to the to what I tried to come up with, and I'm very practically minded as you are, and that is if we can do these things, and a lot of the, the stories I was collecting about other people's experiences, how could we do them when we wanted to do them? How could we use them to lead our best possible lives? And I came up with this formula. When, you study, when I studied time, when one studies time, you realize that time is rooted in change. No change, mm-hmm. no time, number one, right? So entropy, the things that thing, the idea that in physics that things grow, decay, and die, Right, or just the fact that clocks move and suns move and planets move and we record time. The time is really a linear construct that we've made up mm-hmm. for, let's say, this plane of existence. That's how I explain it. So time is one part physical and it's one part perception. How did I know that? I can catch the wine glass by its stem in slow motion. All of the stories of slowed down time while people are in danger or other time, or just you know time slips as they're called. You're holding your newborn and three hours go by and you think it's a minute, right? As Einstein famously said, when you're with a pretty girl, an hour seems like a minute. When your hand's on a hot stove, a minute seems like an hour, (laughs) right? It's all relative. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. If that's true, (laughs) then we are able, we are in control, at least in part of the equation. So let's use that equation, the part of the equation that we, we control through a meditative practice, not to not such heavy lifting. The type of meditation combines TM and Kabbalah so that it's much quicker to get people into the time of no time, we'll call it, right? Mm-hmm. That wonderful place of manifestation so that we can use that to control our perception of time. That's what the, that is what the uh, book posits. And to answer your question, it, it supposes this question or poses this question, explores it. And that is, does how we show up for a situation in our minds affect reality, in particular, the passage of time. That's the observer effect. In our minds, we're showing up to a situation, the scientists watching the, the photon particle go through and become a wave, right? We showing up to a wedding or a check coming or a desire we have, which again, we can do an exercise and practice that in a moment. Does how we show up affect reality? The answer is yes. And this is how it does for our big lives not just the micro world of quantum mechanics, but our big lives of asteroids and cars and people in Zoom meetings. (laughs) (laughs) 
Can I give you an analogy for what oh, you're saying? It is oh, a completely different, but it comes from Ramdas in the last years of his life. He encouraged everyone to move from the perspective of mind and down into the center of one's being into the from the perspective of loving awareness. Mm. So no judgment, no nothing just being completely enveloping everything that you encounter in that uh, that wonderful, um, refreshing change of perspective into embracing rather than pushing away, judging, running from in fear and so on. Sure. To me, there's that is exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about the... Uh, the observer effect. That's uh, right. But um, I have to say, the other thing that's super important, um, and you're talking about being impeccable with words because words are an expression of our thoughts. Uh, they have the same power as thoughts to affect ourselves and other, to generate uh, our reality. So from the believing in one's thoughts, I mean, I can't, I don't know, might talk about this almost every podcast because to me it's the most important thing is you have to realize that you are doing this we are doing this to ourselves so i'm i'm bringing this back until that happens there's no way you can start to transform i like that word better than control but transform the reality uh first you got to realize okay what are the impediments here and you got and the only way to do that is because you're feeling Except for you, you had, but you had this extraordinary event at four years old. My God, most people are going through like me. I was trudging through there, just being super unhappy. There got to be something else, you know. That was what was going on. But you got to understand what you are doing, creating these stories with your thoughts, with your habitual patterns, neurotic tendencies, and all of that. And so, yeah, then. You're able, once you understand that, to get into a meditative practice that works right. for you, of which there are a billion of them. So, yeah. Um, and that is the same as does how we show up in the situation, Raghu, because if we know how we show up, then we're contributing to the reality of the life we want to live. And if we don't, because we're completely unaware and unembracing, then it's, you know, as, as was said in Forrest Gump, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. But you could know if you, you could know what you're going to get if you do these practices. Well, you get to the point, once you start to do the practices, you start to create a space that uh, allows for way, a talk in terms of time, then you are not doing this immediate knee-jerk reaction to everything that approaches you from no, you know, all phenomena. No, you slow down the field. Yeah. You slow and down that is what the, you know, is a, this is a great quote, by the way, you have here from Arthur C. Clarke. We love mm. him. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indis, indis, indistinguishable from magic. Right. And that's this whole book that I just was talking about, Trumpa Rinpoche. You would love that book, Lisa. I would. I will pick it up. Yeah. Or you listen. Yeah. We've, there'll be a couple of podcasts about oh, it. Wonderful. Thank you. you can, um, yeah. So I love that. Uh, and then I love this thing around we've had this pandemic, right? What happened? Okay, we were locked inside and time took on a huge ass turn because we weren't going anywhere. 
No movement, I, no time, no, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, talk about that. This, this is a, a, a fun part for me because it is. it is so easy to relate with. And it's so everyone on this planet went through this. That's right. Well, we, and I'm a New Yorker also, many, the many places I'm from. So, New uh, York and a lot of these big cities, being busy is a badge of honor right? I'm so yeah, busy yeah. is your answer. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. and so why? You're Because your meaning, the meaning in life, your identity is rooted in your schedule and how busy you are. Well, that stopped. And what happened? People were stressed out, burned out, bummed out, and hopeless. They were not connected to their schedules. What they needed to do, as the book suggests, and it was a wonderful opportunity to write it during that, is to master time. You're the movie starring you, Right. Get a hold <laughs> the of movie of me, a good friend of mine suggests of what it is. Exactly. Yes. You're in the movie starring you. How do you want to be that? You want to be that person who's harried on the screen? Absolutely not. Take control. And I, I also say all, all personal transformation is rooted in time. You're either afraid of the past, can't stay in the now, or you know, or can't deal with the future. You're mm -hmm. dwelling someplace else. No, as as Ram Das, of course, be here now in the mind that is so central, but also that's rooted in time. So how can we apply these principles of time supported by science? So it's not just woo-woo. You see, there's a scientific principles from quantum mechanics into our lives to lead our best possible lives. Mm, yeah, this is, this is great. I mean, I'm quoting you, sorry, but uh, I love the, when I go through a book and something resonates with me, that's, you know, that's my whole thing, sharing that. Um, so the state of focus perception uh, produces feelings of transcending time. Um, what do I mean by transcending time? It's a state often characterized by deep concentration, emotional buoyancy, a sense of mastery, a lack of self-confidence, uh, consciousness, self-consciousness, how we self-referential is the byword for everything that goes on and a sense of self-transcendence mm. many people call this the zone flow the now being in the present moment be here now or simply presence i just added that <laughs> and again that's a you know i'm love sports so that's another sports analogy it is the zone the flow is nothing but that, and they all say that. Well, and of course, I have worked in music for a very long time, and every artist worth their salt says the same thing. I was here, but I was not here. Right. You know, and that's goes bifurcating away. time right there. <laughs> it is then, bifurcating right? time, exactly. And yeah. when you're in that state... And I do go into the brainwave states because I had the opportunity while writing the book to be at brain institutes with electrodes on my head, meditating and doing all of this work to see what brainwaves I was generating. What a fabulous opportunity that was. What, so I know that when, it works. When did you do that? Oh, and so in 2017, I was at the BioCybernaut Institute in Sedona, Arizona hmm. with electrodes on my head generating doing these exercises and generating all of these all of the practices that are in the book testing various poses so i tested myself in lotus position versus straight arm straight legs which would be more china or you know or uh china or kabbalah in terms of not crossing anything when you do these this work to see what was the best and what would work out basically they're the same they're they're different but they they do you come to the same place eventually and ragu i was with brain electrodes on my head when i had a full unity experience high frequency gamma hmm. 
That was at the end of whatever the week. Whatever that means, I'm saying. Whatever that means. But I well, don't have any it's, idea. It's, it is, it's, they call it it's samadhi in India. It's, it's a form of samadhi. Yeah. It's a form okay, of samadhi. That I get. It's a, I'm it's doing a whole, We're doing a movie now on a man that was one of our mentors when we went to India with Ram Das and met uh, our guru, Neem Karoli Baba. And he uh, was a school teacher, and we're doing a movie about him called Brilliant Disguise because you wouldn't know he was a knocked-out yogi who's, who was going into these states all the time. Mm. And I mean, no pulse, no breath, you know, completely. And uh, yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) we had some perfect example of that. But of course, uh, yeah, anyhow, that's a whole other story, (laughs) but it's really very much part of what this is because we were fortunate to actually uh, experience being with somebody who was 24-7 in that state. There was no right. more polarity, which is a very, very rare thing that's still can, that's not in a cave somewhere and it's actually out there chatting with people. Right. Uh, so uh, all of this is familiar, and, but still gamma state, but a, a deeply absorbed state, basically. A deeply absorbed state of unity where you had talked about with Ram mm. Dass saying, go to the place where, and I call it, where everything is you. You're not everything. Everything is you. That's the unity. There's nothing that's separate from you. The separateness falls away and you are everywhere. Mm. That's quite something. Yeah. A real treat. Yeah. And at that point, you the movie of me stops, at least in the moment. It has to be integrated in one's daily life. But it then becomes, what can I do for you? It does. Not, what do I need? which was a famous thing uh, from Ram Dass in one of his talks. Uh, what do I need? What do I want? It's a little bit more interesting to serve people, is what he said. So um, that, is, that result, aside from everything else that happens, in other words, you are not reacting the way you, you used to, say, on a day-to-day basis, once that starts to be really integrated, mm-hmm. And uh, there's the judgmental stuff and the self-worth stuff. All of that falls away. That's all great and that we want to be free. But I think until we start to act out of uh, understanding the true interconnectivity of everything, of everyone, and that that's what we're here to do is to serve that, um, that's the greatest uh, of all uh, accomplishments, shall we say? Yeah, service. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, when absolutely. I lead people through exercises, I, I add that as a component, mm. and that is we are imagining something. One is imagining something for themselves, taking them through an exercise. And then I stop and I say, "Now imagine how it benefits everyone involved. It's not about you. Mm. Everyone and everything, to the detriment mm. of no one. It really that takes someone to a whole different place. Mm. Really, huh? Uh, Something else that uh, I wanted to bring up, our belief in reality. You have this quote, it's so great, Winston Churchill, you have a quote from him. I do. Unbelievable. Said about his political adversary, Prime Minister Baldwin, occasionally he stumbled over the truth, but he always picked himself up and hurried on as if nothing had happened. What a great quote (laughs) that is. Is that all of us every day? 
We yeah. see these things. We've all experienced it. The wine glass falling in slow motion, the, the car, a, a, a car crash or an accident where things are in slow motion, the time slips, but we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and go on like nothing happened. Don't do that. This book suggests don't do that. It's real. Create yeah. opportunities for that to happen again. Well, many a time people, things do happen that are, shall we just say, maybe out of the ordinary, and right. they don't have to be big things. And then, um, in my mind, because of a lack of connectivity to uh, intuitive truth within oneself, uh, you pass them off as an accident, or, gee, I didn't really see that or feel that or whatever, and and keep moving forward where it's more of a protected area with our defense mechanisms and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And you, but you call this stumbling over the truth, uh, or you say what researchers call it is selective attention. That's right. Talk about that. That's important. Well, back to brain, and I am very rooted in science. And the reason is a lot of skeptics. I can tell are out after there. reading the book. <laughs> skeptics out there, they want to know why things happen. In fact, a great quote from my mother, who was very clinically minded. I said, Mom, why do people read these book types of books to help themselves, self-help books? And she said, people want to know why things happen to them. So that was a great answer, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, people who are who have been exposed to science, as most of the West has, and actually most of the world, people want to know why things work and why it mm -hmm. might be, quote, true, even in this age of so much illusion, right? Mm -hmm. And so I included the science in there. And thinking about all of these different things, when we talk about selective attention, selective attention is something happens that's out of the ordinary. And because the brain in the state that it's in doesn't perceive it as being valuable, it simply edits it out. Mm. And the famous example is, was done in that, I believe in the 1990s, where a psychologist ran an experiment of children on a basketball court, wearing black jerseys and white jerseys, passing balls to one another. And the subjects of the experiment were not the children on the basketball court. They were people watching who were told to count the passes between and among the players. Oh. And so they're counting the passes. Meanwhile, a guy dressed up in a gorilla suit, spoiler alert, goes right into the camera, waves at the camera, stands in the middle of the court. And for, for a, quite a while, many seconds, that anybody could see him who was watching and then leaves. And the subjects are later asked, did you see a gorilla? And the answer was overwhelmingly no. They did not oh, see a gorilla. Wow. Now, wow. once you've seen the gorilla, you never don't see the gorilla. And that's what this book is about. Look for the gorilla. Look for these time these time slips because it's not a trick of the mind. It's something I believe a perception of, an, and an awareness related to a meditative state during waking hours that we can recreate if we like. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. Um, you you talk about the unseen create the scene. And again, as with much of this, I, uh, I fortunately had enough personal experience back, back then and then through, through the years, uh, but certainly at that point that to know um, that's the magic, the unseen. Yes. And um, that magic has within it... Uh, uh, A deep appreciation of the unknown, of the mystery. 
That mm-hmm. is very much part of that magic, and that is part of the unseen. And making some good friendship there with that thing there that we can't really call it anything, and that's what they call it where I'm from, Quebec, that thing there when you can't explain it at all. And uh, But uh, having that... that uh, that's why it, it seems to me like Lisa, all the the native populations around the world, indigenous populations, and what they represent in terms of having that in your life, that magic, that sense of uh, awe over the the reality of the the connectivity that with the mm-hmm. land, with the sky, with the ocean, you know that they that. I mean, we and then we went and wiped them out, right? <laughs> yes, White we did. People, you know, well, it's we, so we had off that. The wall. We had that as well. You know, Europeans had that as well until the Enlightenment. You know, mm. science and spirituality was all one big melange, and then there was a political deal struck essentially between science and the church, where mm. the church got spirituality and science got science, and we began to have that theory, that excitement about science instead. Well, quantum mechanics brings this all the way around because while that may have suited the time in terms of enlightenment and Descartes and all of that, we now know that the quantum soup is out there, right? And it is not something, there is not a separation between our feelings and thinking and who we are and our surroundings in a way that science would. But science still has something that it is rooted in, and that is According to science, only if it can be measured is it real. That's where science breaks down. Yeah. yeah and that's absolutely. where, and that is, you know, so consciousness, the, the brain, you know, uh, all, of the electrochem- all of the electricity and the chemicals going on in the brain, are they generating consciousness? No one knows. It can't be measured. But that mm-hmm. does not mean it's not real. Well, yeah. And that, and I go back to, um, well, thank God, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and Richie Davidson, and other people like that, they are really working on uh, bringing together science and spirituality yes. uh, by virtue of the Tibetans' particularly great affinity for real study and real investigation and recording and so on. Thank God they got a bunch of that stuff out of Tibet when the Chinese came and did what they did. Um so, yeah, thank God for that, mm-hmm. because, uh, but I go back to, like, we've all had ineffable experiences of some sort, I believe, and and like we just talked about, you, many of us don't pay attention to it because it's too far out, or whatever, it's out of our mainstream, so, mm-hmm. but... We've all had it. it. It can be through a psychedelic. It can be through meeting a, a another being. It could be through a book, a piece of music, anything. And we all, especially if we're younger, and which is where we're more likely to shove it back. I myself had meditative experiences that I only realized what they were when I had them as an adult. And this is when I was an eight or nine year old or something like that. And I went, holy, you know, that flipped me <laughs> that, it, that it happened, you know. Right. And thank God I still remember. It was physical, so that's why it was easier to remember. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, yeah, we need respect for the unseen for sure. Well, I think we are. There's there's an inescapable movement toward consciousness. I would say, even with all of this, and if there's a law in the universe, it's probably balanced. So two steps forward and one step back. So as we realize that the teeny tiny world of, of quantum mechanics, let's suggest, let's think about that as a place where a lot of this is going on, is bubbling up into our big world, again, of asteroids and cars and people and Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. They'll meet, and then we will know that they're all interconnected. We can't see that or control that yet, but we will. That's my belief. Yeah. Transform is better than control, though. I, Transform I, I is still, better than control. Yeah. I still, like, when I was a kid, because they tried to control me all the time when I even hear that word. See, talk about the story <laughs> that, you know, I have that story in my head, right? I just don't believe in it quite the way I used to, and that's the, <laughs> that's the real difference. Um, so let's. Uh, there's some great thing here, um, and we're talking about as children. Uh, many of us believe that we can use our thoughts or our imagination to influence not just our inner but outer and physical world. Uh, and you often called magical thinking, right? The science of this experience is well studied. So, um, but it can continue. So uh, you you lose that as a kid, you know, all kids because you're Beat, it's beaten out of you, basically, beaten, one right. way or it's the other. It's selective attention out yeah, of you. Yeah, really. That's right. Um, but in spite, um, basically, uh, magical thing can continue, you say, into adulthood. And uh, you talk about somebody named Piaget who uses examples of religious beliefs that grow out of socialization or cultural conditioning, typically addressing issues such as the meaning of life, what it means to exist, and what happens when we die. Um, so, yeah, magical thinking. Well, you know, the to, to return to magical thinking is, is the secret of living a purposeful life, I would think, in some sense, and here's why. And that is, again, the, the central question of the book, does how we show up in our minds to a situation impact our experience of physical reality and in particular time. That's magical thinking that you could even do that. Well, quantum mechanics would say that you would, you can, because that is the observer effect in essence, right? The observer observing the phenomenon and it changing as a result. Well, let's all show up into a phenomenon and change the result. It's magical thinking to think that you might, but it's supported by science to think that you can. The real trick is how do you put the two together? And Mm -hmm. so that is what the exercises in the book are about. It uses a meditative state, which is again, pretty quick and not heavy lifting. It's not TM to get you to a place of, we'll call it manifestation, a, a time of no time, right? Where you're truly in the now. And from that state, engage in a little focused magical thinking in order to show up in the next moment the way you want to. Mm. That's the key. How do you want to show up to the conversation you're going to have that's difficult or asking someone to marry you? How are you going to show up to waiting for the check to come or the apartment to be available for you? Does how you show up in your mind affect reality? The book suggests the answer is yes, and here's how to do it. Mm. True. Very true. 
And one of the things, one of the truism is around, that you bring up and particularly right here, is around imagination. And tell you a, a little story uh, uh, central to what Ramdas used to do in the latter part of his life, uh, and used to talk about all the time, imagination. And he would say, friends, uh, I would tell friends I talk to my guru, and they go, you talk to your dead guru? Are you? It must be in your imagination. He says, exactly. I have a room called imagination. I go to it, and that is where I have these deep conversations. And he would laugh because, you know, everybody's uh, cynical, shall we say, attitude mm -hmm. towards that. But uh, in my own experience that... Um, the allowance of this creative freedom to be wherever you might want to be with uh, either another being or a place that you have been to before that provides, uh, uh, shall we say, the hot tub effect, mm -hmm. meaning you just let go into right. the moment. Uh, that is highly important and to put it down uh, as a, uh, a woohoo thing, which many people do, both in themselves and in other people, um, is again, maybe a, we go back to taking a little bit, having a little bit of respect for the mystery, for the magic. Well, and that's the, part you know, of it. the Churchill quote, picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and going on like nothing happened. I think yeah. what Ramdas was referring to, that room, is the now. That is being completely present. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot go someplace in your imagination unless you're completely present. He was combining the two yep. for the magic. Yeah. yeah. But then the imagination, as you say, certainly plays an important role. But at the very least, and I would say it's more than the least, is <laughs> intuition. And, right. Well, I had to give know, some credence to the people who are picking themselves and up and dusting themselves off and going on like nothing yeah, happened. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but that, uh, yeah, intuition, and that has a lot to do with the development of trust. And that's difficult to do if you're living to black and white a world inside right. yourself, polarized. I mean, people think we're in, we're in a polarized nation right now in every way from politically, socially, economically, uh, all the way to you're vaxxed or you're not vaxxed, all the way to that. I mean, it's a tribal, it's tribal warfare, basically. Yeah. And um, that's going on inside each one of us, that polarization. And all of these exercises that are in your book and uh, all of the things anybody can take advantage of to transform that stuff uh, goes a long way to um, fixing that issue. And, and that issue's got to be fixed or we can't help anybody right. because we're just adding to the noise, basically. Right? Well, back to the movie starring you. There's no yeah. tribalization in the movie starring you. You're you. You're the writer, the producer, the director, the cast. You're bringing people in. You're the star, right? That is completely integrated. Wholeness to yeah, be but that it's way. easy. You can flip that, and that is me controlling everything, 
being in separation from everything, defending myself, planning, manipulating, motivation, so self-referential. Oh my gosh, really. Raku, is that what's going on inside of you? I that's, never, that's that never occurred what, to me. As far as I'm concerned, Lisa, <laughs> that's what's going on inside of absolutely every every being on earth. Okay, they wake I up like and... You I like know. to experience the movie. That's what I do when I see myself as yeah, that. Yeah, you're talking about it from a place where you're not reacting and you're not embodying your, uh, <sighs> shall we say, lower thoughts. You're not embodying right. the separation, the polarization. That's where you're coming from. That's true. I believe. <laughs> Most people are coming from, I got to, oh, I got to brush my teeth. I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, I got that call at seven. And gee, I'm worried about Jim and my, you know, on and on and on where there's no spaciousness whatsoever, you are actually uh, embodying every one of these defense mechanisms and just plain craziness <laughs> that uh, the causes and conditions that uh, you've got to understand that is what I'm really saying. We yes, have to understand. We have no chance until you understand how caught you are. Right. Period. You know, you're in jail. Ramdas used to say, "Until you know you're in, you're in jail. You, you know, and you, and to me, also got to be careful because uh, that's what this book I love, uh, the Trungpa book, uh, really, really attacks the materialistic way we look at everything. Okay, the spiritual bypass is how we know it today, and uh, you got to be really careful to not get too intellectual about stuff. And that's why, yeah, doing the practice is really important." But having awareness uh, to what your motivations are is just as important. That's right. Well, and and a cup, a little bit of, as you said, being in jail. What about hope for getting out of jail? If anything, this book is a little bit of that. Yes, right? there you we are, go. We're in we're in the jail of time, and it's through the lens of time. So this is personal transformation through the lens of time. So through the lens of time, get out of that time jail. Right. See beyond. Know that you're in control. Do a couple of movie exercises and other exercises, which are truly expansive. And when you see beyond the horizon, you just may want to go there again. <laughs> That's good. I like that. When you see beyond the horizon, you just might want to go there again. Yeah. So do a little Lovely practice. Lisa. <laughs> well, let's do do. How about leading a little? Oh, uh, let's do that. Short little thing. Wonderful. All right. Okay. So I do, I make a bit of a, a joke and that is I, I work in, which is not a joke, I work in criminal justice reform in public safety. So I will say I run a, uh, a charity which is helping the police understand their relationship to the community called Police to Peace. And so what I say is before I give exercises like this, do not attempt this while driving. Do not close your eyes and do not sit comfortably. But for everyone else, right, we're going to sit comfortably and close our eyes. And for those of you who are driving, you can listen to this podcast later. And also this exercise is available on my website, which we can talk about later. So in a moment, so now everyone, you know, sitting comfortably. And if you're a meditator, you can be in lotus position, but straight arms, straight legs or sitting like King Tut with your hands on your thighs is very powerful as well. And that would be more in the Chinese tradition. Sitting comfortably and roll your shoulders back and now slowly close your eyes. And just with that, I always bring science in because it helps people appreciate or get through you know, some of their own misgivings. And that is closing your eyes is changing your brain chemistry, right? From serotonin to melatonin. Slowly closing your eyes and now we'll focus on our breath. 
another brain chemistry suggestion, and that is inhaling through your nose, a regular inhalation, and exhaling through your mouth, a long, slow exhalation, twice as long, focusing on your breath. Inhale through your nose, and exhaling through your mouth, a long, slow exhalation, seeing the, the air leave your mouth as white smoke. Inhale through your nose. What you're doing is you're triggering your parasympathetic nervous system to relax with this particular type of breathing. Once more, in through your nose and out through your mouth, a long, slow exhalation. Seeing the number three appear in front of your mind's eye in whatever way is perfect for you. People say they can't imagery or do visualization. Everyone can dream. Whatever you see or feel, the number three in through your nose and exhaling out through your mouth, the number three dissolves into the number two. We're counting down. Inhale through your nose and out through your mouth. The number two dissolves into the number one. And in through your nose and out through your mouth, the number one dissolves into the number zero. We're here. We're in the time of no time, right? This is the now, the present. You're completely present. Listening to the sound of my voice. Now let's have a little fun in the now, right? Bring to mind something you would really like to create for yourself. Something wonderful or something satisfying or fulfilling. It could be something as mundane as the check comes and the car is ready when you need it to, your child gets into the soccer team, whatever it is. It could be something as profound as world peace. I think about peace in the United States all the time. Keeping this thought in mind, something wonderful you would like to have happen. Live it as a movie now. Bring your body in viscerally. See, feel, hear, sense, and know all of these things around you, the aspect of this movie starring you, this experience you're having, something fulfilling and wonderful. Now, let's bring in the universe. Think about how all of this benefits others, how this is to the benefit of all involved, could be to the benefit of the entire world, right? Don't think about yourself. Thinking about how the benefit of all is at the root of your desire. Why? If for no other reason, it removes the fear, it won't happen for you. And removing fear is crucial. So now it's for the benefit of all. You're living this wonderful experience, right? This wonderful thing that you'd like to have happen. And now put in your mind, it just happened. It's over. It's done. It's complete. It's the moment after. The check came. The car's ready. Your child is in soccer team. There's world peace. Whatever needs to happen, live the experience that it's already done. It's complete. And there is nothing more to do. Not one more thing. Wow, the relief, right? Bringing this back into our bodies, right? Don't ponder the details, right? We think about things and our brain goes a million miles a minute. The who, what, when, where, why, and how is not your department. It's already done. It's complete. Nothing more to do. Bringing it back into our body. Imagine how every cell of your body is vibrating with this nothing more to do. It's finished. It's over. It's complete. Satisfied. Fulfilled. All of the cells of your body. And now traveling down through the bottoms of your feet into the entire earth. All of the cells of the earth are filled up with this idea, this feeling, this sensation. Nothing more to do than knowingness that it's complete. Filling the entire earth, and now the earth is filled, and up through your body, back through your feet, all the way up through your spine, out the top of your head, and in every direction. Nothing more to do is coming out the top of your head through the building you're in, through the solar system, the galaxy, to the universe, higher and higher and higher, and then just let it go. Relaxing, 
It's over. It's done. It's complete. Nothing more to do. When you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes. Hmm. Nothing more to do. How fun was that? Mm. So let's talk about the time component of that and the science, right? Mm. Again, back to the central question, does how we show up in our minds to the next moment affect reality? And the answer is yes. How will we all show up to this thing we want to have happen when it begins to happen? Will there be any fear? No. Will there be a sensation, a visceral, having lived it already experience that it's done, it's happened, it's complete? That knowingness in the supposition of the book informs reality. It informs the reality we experience. Mm. Can we control it to the point where a plane lands in the backyard or there's a pickle in your lap? Not yet. But can how we show up to the conversation we're going to have that we know might be difficult or asking our loved one to marry us or giving birth to the child or driving somewhere and needing to be on time? You're completely different. You'll never be the same. You're going to show up differently no matter what. Hmm. And that is why that could be a manifestation exercise, bringing you into the now, the time of no time, the brainwave state of flow, which is likely a theta state combined with some other states, has completely changed your experience of that moment. Let go of grasping. <laughs> Just be. You shall be in that moment. Be here yes. now. The 50th anniversary of Be Here Now. We've been celebrating all year. Oh, the spectacular. Isn't that incredible? And there's my dog is in that state right now. <laughs> now this is my cat, Al. He's somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been Marco, really it has been such a pleasure. I hope people got some uh, wonderful experiences of it. And that particular oh, yeah. exercise. Yeah is so great for even a negative experience. So imagine you turn it around, and this is in the book, where you live the thing you fear most, hmm. and then stop yourself and say, oh, that's not what happened. Hmm. That's, that's, that's powerful. an advanced exercise, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> All the time in the world, Lisa Broderick and uh, everybody, it'll be in the show notes links so that you can Get the book and also Lisa's uh, website so you can see what she's up to and uh, and some of the other things we might have mentioned, like the, uh, what did we mention? The Tao of Physics. We'll put that up. That'll be cool, right? Yes. Hopefully it's still available. Do you, have, do you know about Amit Goswami? Yes, of course. Yeah. Ram Dass did, did this incredible talk with him on science and spirituality, mm. actually. Uh, Who the twain shall meet, as opposed to never the twain shall yeah, meet. How is that? Yeah, that's it. I love that. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. This is Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. And there is that virtual plethora of incredible thought leaders and teachers. Uh, and uh, by the way, we have a new psychedelic therapy podcast. Basically, it's a psychedelic podcast that includes stuff around what marvelous things are going around, going on around um, psychedelic therapy in this country. And Madison Margolin, look for her, and we shall see you next time. Thank you again, Lisa. Thank you. 